We'd go to wherever they gathered to connect, he says. As a result, we ended up making contact with a lot of young people in the district. It didn't come naturally to us because a lot of the people needing our help were migrants, and they were Greek Orthodox, Muslims, Catholics, but not Roman Catholics, Kurds, and and so on. It was fascinating to interface with them, but we had to work out what we could do, what we had to offer them. As part of that, I also did more work as an honorary probation and parole officer so I could be on hand if anyone got into trouble. We were never there to proselytise. We wanted to offer them good, practical help. While there were homeless kids around, many of the kids in the neighbourhood were still at home, but they were alienated at home. Their parents were from one culture, and they were growing up in another, and they were having to work through a big clash of those cultures, and it was often very difficult for them. But one thing we did have was a back room behind the presbytery. We thought we could open it up and offer them that as a safe place to go. These days I know the last place a kid goes to look for safety is with a Roman Catholic priest, but in those days it was the only safe place. Slowly but surely the neighbourhood kids responded and started dropping by for a chat or a coffee or to meet up with other young people in the presbytery. Father Bob, as a young boy, may have been denied a church meeting place by his old priest, but he sure as hell was going to make sure these kids had a safe space of their own. Then, one day, he had a call from social services. They'd found a young man from Sydney wandering the streets on his own, sleeping rough. Could Father Bob extend his help to him? He was only seventeen, yet he had the haunted, world-weary look Father Bob had seen so often in the eyes of men returning from fighting in Vietnam. But Brian Rudd's battles, the priest soon learned, had been of a completely different kind. And they'd started at the age of just three months, when the authorities took him and his four brothers away from their parents, both chronic alcoholics. From that point on, Brian's life as a ward of state became even tougher. He was sent to a boy's home in Ballarat, 110 kilometres northwest of Melbourne, where the regime was hard and disciplined, and if any one child overstepped the mark or played up, everyone was punished. Brian still felt luckier than most, however. Often his older brothers would try to protect him, and the five little boys made an earnest vow to each other to always stick together and look out for one another. But at seven years old, Brian's world again came crashing down around his ears. The brothers were summoned and told they were being moved on, and each to a different children's home. I think they thought if they split us up we'd be easier to control, says Brian. It's harder to push you around if you're a tight-knit little group. There were 170 boys in that home and they saw us as a threat. So the easiest thing for them to do was eliminate the threat. I was sent off to a boy's home in Surrey Hills, Melbourne, and I never saw my brothers again. Five years later, he was moved again to another home, and at the age of twelve, he tried to take his own life. He survived, just, and was later transferred to yet another home. Three of these homes were to become notorious as places where cruelty to children was routinely practised, as described in the 2004 report of the Senate inquiry Forgotten Australians. In one, 
Youngsters were locked in isolation in cupboards, dark rooms, attics and cellars for long periods as punishment for minor misdemeanours. In another, a common punishment was forcing children to scrub toilets and corridors with toothbrushes. It felt I spent my whole childhood locked up, says Brian. Every so often it seemed I was being re-arrested and being sent somewhere worse. At fifteen, he finally escaped and went to work in a brickyard. Then he decided that he desperately wanted to see his family again and set out for South Melbourne, where he'd been born, to look for them. The news he could glean about his brothers wasn't good. One, he learnt, had hanged himself. The suspicion was that he'd been sexually abused in his children's home. Another brother had jumped off a bridge and ended up breaking his back.